0: Praise the Lord. I'm back. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for all, all you that were praying for me last week. Amen. When I woke up, I got not mouth a whisper. So anyway, my voice is back. Amen. Are you glad? Yes. I know I am. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it's hard to sit there and um, listen to things that you can't talk about. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was in prayer this week and and uh, God begin to lay some things on my heart I want to share um, some of the things I've shared before some of the things will be new to you I broke some things down I got a bunch of stuff here hopefully I'll get as much as I can out uh, to y'all so you have the information um, but how many know that um, that this this is let me get to the meat of what I'm going to talk about uh, I'm going to turn to Colossians 3 in a minute uh, but the pro- title of my message is focusing on God's goodness. I, I, I picked that particularly because what happens is, is a lot of times we're so impressed by our problems that we forget that God is our solution. Amen. We can get so focused on things that are going wrong and things that, are, that the enemy attacks, and the enemy uses this as a distraction. You know, the enemy has no power except what he can what he can weasel out of people. Uh, but the fact is, is all, but he can distract. Amen? And, uh, but I noticed something here. and I'm a big proponent of spiritual warfare. And uh, God uh, talked to me one time. I was, I came to, when I first came to Key West, I could look around Key West and I could tell you what was wrong with this town in a heartbeat. It was a town that basically hated God. It was a town that had more sin than you can imagine you know, homosexuality, you, you name it, uh, drunkenness, drugs, abuse, I mean, you name all, all around that. And I could see all those things real plain. And I could, so what the natural thing for me to do is to go into, into, enter into spiritual warfare, put the armor of God on, uh, take those weapons of warfare that were not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pull in strongholds, and take on every principality in the city. And I did that for, for a season, and God began to say, he said, what are you doing? And he says, the enemy is leading you around. He says he's doing exactly what you're doing. He's fo- putting your focus where he wants you to focus. But I thought your focus was supposed to be for me. And what happens, inadvertently, there's nothing wrong with spiritual warfare, and those things are valuable, valid. But what happens, the devil can even take some of the good things that we know and use them to distract us from the thing, the word, now word that God is speaking right now. Amen. And it senses without well, even looking at it, we think we're doing this great work for God sometimes, but actually all we're doing is listening to the distractions of the enemy. See, if if a, if a person has no power, we have to make a distraction. In other words, we have to get you looking in the wrong direction. You remember how? Satan deceived a third part of the heavens, a third angel population in the heavens. He came up with his magnificent head. It's he called it a dragon in the dragon in the scriptures. But he came up with this magnificent head that looked very fierce. And he got the attention of everybody by looking at his face. And with his tail, he swept out a third part of the angelic host and began fallen angels here. It wasn't the head that did the damage. It was the tail. And when I think about that, I think about what the enemy tries to do today. He puts little things like this and little uh, things here and and a shortage of money over here and a little thing over there. And they get you to run after that particular little thing and you forget about who the the God of prosperity is. You forget about who the the healer is. You forget about all these other things as he distracts you away from it. If he has no power over your life to control your life, he'll just bait you. (laughs) <laughs> in the wrong direction, or me in the wrong direction. Amen? One thing I'm, always, I'm conscious of ever since God brought that to my attention, uh, and, and I'm going to give you some how-tos this morning and some other things I'm going to talk about this morning. I also want to talk about this morning, if you feel like you've lost courage, if you feel like you're getting weaker in the faith, listen up. I'm going to give you some, some encouragement to strengthen yourself in the faith this morning, strengthen yourself in the, in the things of God. Does that sound pretty good? Okay, now i laid out all I'm going to do this morning. I've got to get it done. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Turn your Bible, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. Um, Colossians 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. And it says this in Colossians 3. We'll start off here. It says, then you were raised with Christ, seeking those things which are above, where Christ is sitting. How many know Jesus is no longer... In the, in the tomb, he's no longer, he, he rose from the dead, he's a resurrected Christ, and he sits, sits on the uh, right hand of the Father. Why the right hand? The right hand in covenant terms, in biblical terms, is always the strongest hand. It's always the hand of power in, the, in, in, in that way. So he sits on the right hand of the Father. He says, uh, seeking those things which are above, where Christ is sitting, the right hand of the Father, Set your mind, now the word mind here in the Greek, if you break it down, it's also affections and opinions. So set your affections, and a matter of fact, the King James Bible uses the word instead of my, uses the word affections. Uh, but affections and opinions on things above, not on things in the earth. For you, for you die, for you are dead. See that you're all dead. <laughs> you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Underline that statement because I want to. I'm going to capitalize that and what that means this morning a little bit. But let's let's recap. So what did I just say? We are raised with Christ. How many know, raised with Christ, that's identification. Your identification, my identification is raised with Christ. That means raised how? Jesus went to the cross, He died, He paid the price for our sin, He paid the price for our healing, and He was put into the tomb, He raised from the dead. That's resurrection. What do we do when we water baptize somebody? We say this, this is identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what water baptism is. Amen? So all those water baptisms we did a couple months ago and all these things that happened, that's what people are doing. They're identifying with, and changing your identity. In other words, who you think you are, who you want to be or whatever, changing that identity to become that identify with Christ. In that, you are saying, according to this scripture, in that, that my body, in other words, I am dead. So my old self, my old habits, my old ways are gone. I'm a brand new creation, never before existed, as Paul said in Corinthians, but this is what, who I am. Now, walking that out is a whole nother story because the devil doesn't give up on you just because you made a, a faith confession and went to church a couple times. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? All right, Praise the Lord. Seeking those things above, here it is. Now I'm going to take my focus and my affections and I'm going to put on things above. How do you do that? Well, when problems begin to come in, The attention of the problem is, uh, the the idea of the problem is to get my attention off onto this other tangent, because if I'm looking at the problem and I'm worried about the problem and I'm worried about how am I going to get through this time, then I'm not thinking about God who's already given me the answer. And it's very difficult to get wisdom, it's very difficult to get spiritual insight, it's very difficult to get anything from God when I'm focused on the problem. Uh, In my ministry, uh, you know, resume, I've traveled. To different countries in the world. I've preached the gospel on about five different continents. So I've gone to other cultures, other places. And I noticed this. I noticed in some churches in, in, in some cultures that they make a bigger deal out of what the devil's doing than the redemptive power of God to fix that particular thing. And guess what? They get more of the devil than they really want. I didn't say they, I didn't say they were they, they were they were looking for him. I'm just saying they're amazed by his problems. They're amazed so much by the big problems that they forget about the answer. And we have churches all around the world, churches that I've been in around the world, they're, they're, they're so concerned about what the devil's going to do. Oh, you can't say that. The devil will come in. You can't do it. The devil come in. And they're more concerned about the devil. Listen, understand something. He's a fallen spirit and he deserves no respect whatsoever. Amen. The devil deserves no respect and I'm not going to stand in the, in the pulpit of God and, and, and make a big deal out of what the devil's doing. Quite the opposite. I'm going to downplay him. Because if he is all steeped with pride, it's going to hurt him more than anything else. But the fact is, 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 is to look and, and lean over to what God is saying. So the past couple of years, what I've been uh, tr- practicing in our church here and trying to get you all to understand is that we can lean into the presence of God. Jesus promised, he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, my presence is there. He says, in other words, he's saying, where they're gathered in my name, I'm there. Why would Jesus have to be here? Why can't he stay in heaven where he wants? And we can just just worship him up there. We're here and we're up there. Because that's exactly what the devil wants you to think, is that Jesus wouldn't come down here. Because Satan got it all sealed up. Do you remember when they baptized Jesus when he went through water baptism? Let me ask you something. Did Jesus need water baptism? So let's get the need thing out of here, okay, for us all. How about the obedience thing? Why did Jesus get water baptized? Because his father said so, and he did, only did the will of a father. Amen? Amen? Did he sin? No. Did he have to repent of anything? No. Well, what he did, he said, when he went down in water baptism camp, you heard me preach this before, is God rent the heavens. In other words, he went through, and the Greek word for opening up the heavens is the same Greek word of opening up the graves, now how hard is it take, what does it take to split a rock in half, like when Jesus was resurrected, bodies come up out of the graves, as Matthew said, and, and, and while well, the same force opened up the heavens. There was a closed heaven until that time, and ever since that time, there's been an open heaven. We have access to the Father. We have access to the things of heaven and what heaven has to give to us, but we're focused on what the devil's doing here in the physical and the natural. Hallelujah. Amen? So what Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, he's saying, listen, and by the way, this was just a little bitty church that met in Philemon's house. <laughs> it was just a little bitty gathering. It was not a big church. Amen. But the, it says in Romans, it was the same, same, same church that met in Philemon's house. He was saying, he said, we're raised with Christ. In other words, get your identification right. Understand who you are and what it means. That's what he's saying. We are raised with Christ. He's talking to Christians. (laughs) He wasn't spreading the gospel message. He was saying, hey, listen up. This is who we are. Let's bear the mark. And he's saying, he's saying, we are raised with Christ. This is our identification with the resurrection. We We identify with Christ and the resurrection. He says, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. In other words, let's seek those things of power. Matter of fact, all power. What Jesus says, all power has been given to me in heaven and earth and things under the earth. <laughs> so, so that's it. The devil can't have any power because Jesus has it all. Where would he get it? And where would he get power that's greater than, his, than, than God's anyway? He, he doesn't. This is the thing. So what he has to gain is by deception. But Jesus taught us something else about that deceptive thing because remember Jesus went out in the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days and when he was hungry, the devil came to him and tempted him. We call it the temptation in the wilderness. But Jesus revealed something in that temptation. The devil runs out of strength. The devil runs out of strength. He had to leave. Why? Jesus answered them all three questions, answered them according to the will of the Father, and the devil had to leave. That doesn't look like a very strong spirit to me. It looks like the devil of strength that we recognize is more in our brain than it is in anything else. Are you here? All right, praise Is it okay? All right, all right, praise the Lord. Should I finish this? I mean, it's okay. Anyway, so he goes on. He says, "Seek these things which are above, which are Christ, the right hand of the Father." Now he says something in verse two: "Set your mind." How many know that God would never tell you to do something? That you, that's physically impossible for you to do, unless he put a miracle with it. In other words, if he wants you to do something, because lots of things he wants to do that's totally uh, impossible for us to do, then he gives us the power within that assignment to get it done. So regardless, whether we have the But if he's saying, you set your mind, we have the ability to set our mind against those things. But what happens is we choose to set our minds someplace else, and there we run into problems. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. Just me up here confessing this morning, huh? <laughs> praise the Lord. It, it's our how many know? It's our brain that gets us in trouble sometimes. Yes, Amen. Amen. All right, praise the Lord because we get thinking, reinterpreting, and and, and we get off the word, and that's not good. But anyway, listen, to, let me get into this. This is set your mind and uh, uh, your affections and your opinions, opinions. It says in the Greek. It's, always just your, it's not just your mind and your thoughts. It's also your opinions. How many has an opinion in here? Okay, we have a couple honest people. The rest of you? You're lying. And a person in this sanctuary doesn't have an opinion about something. Okay. Praise the Lord. My voice came back. Are you glad? Hallelujah. <laughs> He said, on things above, not on things in the earth. What are we looking at? Things in the earth. Things that we see every day. He said, but set your mind and affections. In other words, that's where we really live. There. Then down here doesn't have the same effect on our life when we set our mind and affections up there. That means if I go to make an endeavor here, when I say here, talking about the earth, if I make an endeavor here on the earth, but my mind and my focus and affections are on heaven, guess what? I'll tend to carry out the assignment that God has given me, and with that assignment, He gives me the power to succeed here. Here. You heard the phrase, so heavenly-minded, no earthly good? Baloney. (laughs) To be heavenly-minded properly, according to the Scriptures, is to be well... Good on the earth, Amen. Amen. And to succeed, okay, praise the Lord. All right. Well, I got a pivotal point here, and yeah, let me go on. Okay, your life is in with Christ, working from the heart, mind. Okay, covered all that, Amen. Let me let me jump down. How many know? I was looking at. The scriptures, I was looking at Jesus and how he responded to things. How many of oh, you that'd be a pretty good um pretty good example to follow would be Jesus? Amen. How many would agree that Jesus is a good example to follow? Amen. All right, so let's let's take away man's interpretation. I look to the gospels, I look to through to the scriptures, and you know what I what I found out, though, did the devil ever attack Jesus' ministry? Yeah. Uh Matter of fact, the scribes and Pharisees were a big attack against Jesus's ministry, and they were there for, only for the purpose of attacking him. Did they? Did anybody ever try to kill Jesus before the crucifixion? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time he snuck out the back end of the temple uh, because they wanted to kill him before his time. So he took off and didn't stay there. He comes back, but the fact is is, is, is he is yeah, the devil was trying to kill him before he uh, and. It was a lot of uh, the scribes and Pharisees, religious leaders, because they didn't like the message that Jesus brought. But I notice this. He never lived in reaction to the devil, but response to the Father. As much as the devil attacked or tried to attack Jesus, he never lived in response to that. (laughs) So this is why I say, even in spiritual warfare, uh, I'm careful now that I don't spend a whole lot of time looking at what the devil's doing so I can name the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, which exist, by the way, in this city, instead of coming against those because Satan controls that. Now my uh, my attention and my focus is on that, I'm going to miss what God says over here. Jesus wouldn't let that happen, He said, no, the things I do, He said, the Father, the Father will lead me, the Father will guide me. Remember when he, when he came up to the demoniac, man, that was funny because basically, when a spirit is cast out of a man the bible says that they seek dry places so they so jesus comes up onto the shore uh, gathering and this guy comes down who was demon possessed you know even his demons had demons he comes down he throws himself at jesus feet and 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 he begins to worship him how can a demon possessed person worship god if you're demon-possessed, aren't you under the total control of that demon? And the demon's not going to fall at the feet of Jesus. Evidently, there must be enough gumption in the human will, regardless of what spiritual condition they're in, there has to be something in the human will that can still draw you to Christ for freedom. He threw himself down and worshiped Jesus, and the demons cried out at him. Say, You come here to torment us, O oh son of man. And Jesus said, and he says, uh, he says, if you cast us out, cast us into those swine. Because, you know, we like dry places. We don't like, you know, or we don't like, you know uh, we're seeking dry places. This is, he's cast us into some, some warm body. So he did, and of course the swine went, the pigs went down and, and drowned themselves in the Sea of Galilee. I thought that was funny. <laughs> they, they were asking Jesus. They told Jesus what they wanted and got the opposite of what they expected. That's what happens when you follow the devil. You get the opposite of what you expect. Praise the Lord. Okay, moving right along. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> so, so here it is. So, so basically, we see these problems. Jesus was never moved by the problems. He, was, he was at, finds himself at the tomb of Lazarus. And they blame Jesus for the problem because he wasn't there when he should have been there. So Lazarus in the process died, which is a friend of Jesus, died. And so in other words, you're too late. And Jesus said to, to Martha, he, says, he, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, I'm not too late. I'm always right on time. And basically Lazarus raised from the dead and there he was because it went totally against what they, they expected. Why? Even before Jesus went to the cross, he had more power and authority than the devil. When he went to the cross, he sealed it all for us. Amen? All right. Well, praise the Lord. Another thing I looked at, I, this phrase came to me. How, if I, you know, This is in new, the newer translations. The King James Bible uses the word faint, but it, it means lose of heart. How many, if I said uh, that you uh, lost heart, what would that mean? Would everybody know what that means if you lost heart? Uh, uh, say, um, uh, um, I used to play the guitar, but then I kind of lost heart. What does that mean? Do you still play the guitar now, or you, you quit? You quit, right? You just lost heart. Just, uh, 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 I used to be a scuba diver, but I lost heart. Oh, God forbid. That's not true. <laughs> just went on Friday. <laughs> but anyway, you know, so losing heart. Let me, can I get the agreement this morning that if we lose heart, it takes us out of the game? It takes us out. Losing heart is not a good thing. So, what I did, I, I went in my, on my uh, trusty uh, computer Bible program and I typed in the word losing heart. And uh, of course, the New King James, uh, the King James will tell you faint. It's a different, it's, it's, it's a different word, but it means the same thing. Amen? So, and I've come up with five occasions where this is addressed in the scriptures about losing heart. Why? Because I believe this is what happens in a lot of our uh, problems and why we become weak and, 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 and have different difficulties is because we lose heart. Loss of heart, I'm going to get to it in a minute, but loss of heart can be due to uh, not met expectations. In other words, we expect things God never said He was going to do, or the season's too long. I'll give you some other reason, but Galatians chapter 6, if you want to turn there, and verse 9 says this, it says, let us uh, not grow weary of doing good. He says, in due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart. So in that one scripture, before I get into the other four, in that one scripture, loss of heart takes away whatever was promised. A loss of heart stops us in our growth or whatever we're moving forward. A loss of heart starts, stops us from the advancement of what God has already determined and already, already uh, set up for us to do. Amen. So, so Paul's writing to the church of Galatians. He said, Let's not grow weary. So, what happens when we grow weary, when we get tired of doing good? Well, we do good all the time and do this and I do that and, you know, I'm preaching all the time, preaching for all these uh, three decades here and doing this and doing that. And whoa, I got to show for it. Ah, nothing. How many know what I'm talking about? That's losing heart. And what happens when we lose heart, we end up going through the motions and then we blame God even more for not answering our prayers. I'll get to that in a minute. Praise the Lord. Let don't get ahead of myself. That's, so I'll read it again. Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not grow weary of well-doing, uh, of doing good, for in due season, how many know God is the Lord over, over seasons? God controls the season. You've know, you heard me use that term season. We're in a season of this or a season of that. Uh, God is in the one to control the season. We can't determine a season. He determines the season. We have to be ready when he determines the season. What happens when we lose heart, when we lose heart, we miss that season. Because he he says this, he says, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. So a loss of heart can cause us to miss the very season of blessing that God wants to give us. But we won't know because we've already lost heart, been discouraged, and bummed out. Amen? Luke chapter 18, Jesus is talking right before a parable. Uh, the parable is the unjust judge if you want to go and study it later. But he says, he makes this statement uh, uh, before he, he gives of the parable. He says, uh, then he spoke a parable unto them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. There's that lose heart again. So what Jesus is saying, he says, the prayer life that we maintain determines that loss of heart. In other words, if we did maintain a good prayer life, we can actually combat and get rid of that law, uh, the losing of heart. So that's a remedy. Okay, I put that in my notes as a remedy. Prayer is a remedy for losing heart. Uh, coming to, uh, uh, if you look at the word prayer, this is another thing. We, uh, this, uh, this, it gets so religious sometimes. Prayers come down to, to well, uh, um, Lord, I need this. How many have a need? So you take that need to prayer, Correct. So, what happens is when you take that need to prayer, you're expecting God to fulfill that need, correct? If you got faith? Right? So, do you realize that you have the need? Who created the need? The enemy? He comes to still kill and destroy? So, the enemy creates a need that you take to Lord to fulfill. So what happens, our entire prayer life is boiled down to, Lord, meet my need. And there's very little celebration for who he is. There's very little instruction for the next assignment that you have because basically we get locked into that prayer need. When God meets my need here, well, what happens when he meets your need? Well, I'll, my need will be met, and I'll tell everybody, and I'll be a good witness. So if he doesn't meet your need, then basically you're holding him hostage as far as the witness? Or is it this? God is God no matter what. See, I like the, I like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the attitude I want as a Christian. King, do what you want, we're not bowing. Throw you in a fiery furnace, we'll heat it up seven times hotter. He'd go in a fiery furnace. He says our God is able to deliver us from the furnace. Right? But even if He doesn't deliver us from the furnace, we're not bowing. And that's the attitude of a Christian going in and serving God. He will or he will not, it doesn't matter. We're still serving him. And it's not depending on my answer to the prayer to prove who God is or who isn't, because you or I cannot prove or disprove him no matter any way, shape, or form. Our position is this. I believe God. I can believe God can do all things. But even if he chooses not to do all things to me, we're still not bowing to this world, to this thinking devil, to this idea, or anything else. I'm not bowing. Sorry. It's been one of my favorite stories in the Bible for, for a long time. I love that. Our God is able. Understand that. Our God's able to trump anything your God puts out there. Our God is able. But even if he chooses not to, we're going to burn before we bow we're still not giving in. That is the whole heart of Christianity and that's where we should all be living. I don't care what the devil does or what he doesn't do. Still not bowing. Amen? Oh, I chose to focus on the victory, but here's what I know. I used to go to God and just, God, meet my need here, meet our need there. Lord, I need a job over here. We need money over here. Uh, 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 Kids are sick. I lay hands on Stacy and Eric and and Lord, be your healing. And he answered all those things that I asked. So I thought I had a relationship with God because he answered everything that I prayed. It would. I mean, it it was amazing. My kids never saw doctors when they were young. We didn't need one. I divine health over my household. All this stuff. We believed it. And I was giving God glory. And, and if something came up, I'd go to the Lord. I said, Lord, meet this need for us. And he would meet the need for us. Then there came a day when somebody began to whisper in my ear. And somebody talked to talk to my ear. and said, you're called to preach the gospel in the ministry. me. <laughs> you got the wrong guy here. Uh-uh. I sat on that call for four years. I wouldn't tell anybody. Because I was afraid it was true. I'll testify about me. You get mad if I testify about you, so I'll just testify about me, but that's the truth. Finally, my pastor at a word of knowledge, I didn't know what called me down. Uh, Sunday I called my wife and I down and says, God just told me, He says, You're gonna preach the gospel. My pastor. And I didn't know if I should laugh, cry, or Diane cried, I laughed. <laughs> didn't know what that meant. What it meant was, now God has given me an assignment. How can He give me an assignment? I was a construction worker. What on earth could I have to do? Not only that, He says, You're going to have an international vision and you're going to preach the gospel around the world. Around the world, I, I drove from New York to Florida. I mean, I mean, or from Michigan, New York to Michigan, Michigan to Florida. So I said, I drive in a car, I didn't fly in no place. Fly? Why? I mean, th- there's sinners right here, and I would justify why I shouldn't get on an airplane. God so here's the assignment. What was he doing? He was trying to get me out of my mold, trying to get me out of my, my, my comfort zone, and put me in a place where the cultures were different, the languages different. I, I was in Africa, I needed four translators to tra- travel with me in, in, in Ghana, West Africa. There are 16 major tribal languages there, 16 major tribal languages. I needed four translators just to talk to anybody. And, oh, it's an English-speaking country. Do you just go to, as long as you're in Accra, in, in, uh, Accra, <laughs> in the capital, <laughs> wander out into the jungles and place like, that preach the gospel. No, I needed four translators. And I lo- woke up one morning and said, Lord, what am I doing here? He said, good question. Said, exactly what are you doing here? He says, you're here in demonstration of my power. That night is when I got the news that there was a witch doctor gonna show up in my meetings. And I said, hey, Lord, how do I respond to it? He says, invite him, bring him on. You're not afraid, are you? Absolutely not. I said, what do I got to lose? I can hit and run, I <laughs> got nothing to lose. I'm here anyway, Can't go to no place else. Here I am until my plane ticket comes due. And I says, tell him to come. I says, in this in the evening, this meeting, I says, the power and demonstration of God will be right here. So come down. God showed me something. The guy chickened out, but, the, but the, God showed me something. Why, as Christians who are called for God's purpose, why are we backing down for something that's stinking as a stinking devil? Why? Why would we back down? We lose heart. Well, I tried that one time, but God didn't answer my prayer. So what? So what? I'm not bowing. I'll burn first, but I'm not bowing. I'll go through whatever the devil wants to throw out. I'll go through that, but I will not curse God. And I will not bow to what the devil wants to do. I'll spend my life if I have to do the opposite, just to be obstinate to him. And given, I figured he's the opposite of God anyway. So if I'm, if I'm resisting the devil, I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. God never told you to stay out of church. Hello? Amen. That ain't the Spirit of God. Why? Because everything good happened, ever happened to me happened to me in church. Why would he... Why, if I stayed out of church, I'd be staying away from the good of, goodness of God. Why would I do that? That don't make any sense. Well, I'm a busy person. Oh, too busy for God. Confession is good for the soul. Brother, sister... Praise the Lord. Amen. Moving right along. Amen. Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. Do not lose heart. Mercy is a remedy for losing heart. And God's mercies are renewed every morning. i got to go fast because i am got limited time here. But the fact is, is 2 Corinthians 4.16. You can write these down and look them up as we go, go along. It says, therefore, do not lose heart. Even though your outward man perishes, your inward man is renewed day by day. <laughs> the outward man is perishing. And I'm sitting here to tell you right now, 71 years old. That's the truth. <laughs> you can slow down the process by doing different things as far as exercise to keep yourself in shape. I woke up one morning and guys, I said, man, I feel great. I was going diving that day. I said, well, Diane and I went just diving Friday on her birthday. My wife just turned 71. She's now the same age as me. She laughs when I say it all the time because uh, I'll turn 72 in October. But she's, anyway, I tell her, I said, now you, we're the same age. And uh, we're out diving shipwrecks and doing all kinds of stuff. And he said, but the outward man is perishing. That's true. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, oh, what is it? it it's... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the scripture. Uh, Psalms 90, where it talks about, you know, um, count your days, number your days are numbered, count your days, uh, in that you'll find wisdom. So basically what God's saying, he says, the older you get, the wiser you're getting. Supposedly. I mean, you know, everything's, I guess, depending. Amen? Praise the Lord. <coughs> Hallelujah. And the outward man perishes. Are you seeing that losing heart is what's robbing us. It isn't the devil as much as it is our losing heart. It's a lack of enthusiasm. It's the lack of everything else, in losing heart. Therefore, I, uh, I ask you, do not lose heart in my tribulations for you. Tribulations and troubles uh, cause us to lose heart. Why? Well, let me go back to the prayer. We pray. We want God to do this. We need this done. We might need a healing. We might need this. A- but for, lo and behold, it doesn't happen the way we think it happens, and it doesn't happen as quick as we think it should happen. What happens then? Well, you know, some guy, sometimes, time, now we start writing a doctrine. Now we come up with another doctrine. Well, you know, uh, I tried that and it didn't work for me. It doesn't matter. I will not bow. God says he's a healer. He's a healer. I told told my kids, I said, if I I ever die of some kind of disease or whatever, I says, I want you to purposely carve on my gravestone. He believes in divine health and divine healing. Period. Our life, my life, your life does not testify to the things of God as as his abilities and so on and so forth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because now we make excuses, we start making new doctrines and start writing new doctrines. No, we don't. We take the word of God. The word of God says, "Himself bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases." I'll stand on that. Matter of fact, that's one of my favorite uh, scriptures when I'm standing for health and healing, uh, because it mentions sickness and diseases. The other scriptures talk about infirmities, and some people will make a new doctrine out. Well, it's infirmities. Those are weaknesses. Yeah. Well, how's how's he doing your weaknesses? Start with the weakness between our ears. But anyway, but the, I, said, I said, no. He says right out, Matthew 8, 17, he talks about sicknesses. So how many know that our prayer not getting answered because of our expectations? Hmm. I was under physical attack one time, and it was, um, it was just, something and I prayed and prayed and prayed, and it just, it just wouldn't go away. And I said, Lord, what is this? I asked for, I said, you, you promised healing. I stood on your scripture. I promised healing. He says, so I went to church that, uh, that morning and God said, I want you to uh, call uh, an altar call. He says, and start laying hands on the sick. I need a hand laid on me. I'm thinking, Lord, what, what is this? I took out my little bottle of oil and I said, I'm going to do what the Bible says and I called everybody down. And I started laying hands on people when I got to the last person at the end of the line, last person, all of a sudden it came off um, onto my body and I was healed. God was looking to do a new thing in my life. Not just sitting and complaining, sitting around waiting for Him to do something. He says, in your action in what you'll do, in the, in the acting out of what you believe, He says it'll come upon you. And I realized that. I says, man, I says, I'm i sitting around waiting for an answer to prayer. That's not what happens. God's power comes with his assignment. My assignment is to preach the gospel in Key West. Regardless of what I see, that's my assignment. It doesn't depend on what people do or if people open their arms or close or slam their door in my face. It does not matter. The assignment God has given me, with that assignment comes the strength and the power to carry that assignment out. This is why the devil has kept people from working in the church in this next generation. Don't get, a, don't get into any kind of an assignment with God because basically then, then you'll see the goodness of God because the power comes with the assignment, not because I confess something. Yes. Confession has a part in this thing, but that's not, that's not the reason. But the assignment that God, the call of God he has on my life. In other words, I needed a certain. Uh, when I went to uh, well, mission trip to Guatemala, I fought cholera. Um, well, malaria was in West Africa all over. But there was a guy sleeping in the, in the lobby. He was like the bellhop in his if you want to call it hotel. It was more like a house with a waiting room. But I mean, uh, but he was and he was out in Marajó back, and the same mosquitoes were biting him. Were coming into my room and biting me. He was suffering from malaria. Of course, I prayed for him before, before we left and because uh, he was watching my room and stuff when I went to the meetings and stuff in the evening. Uh, I never got malaria. God. See, we forget about those things. You know th- th- I didn't even pray about it. But what happened is I was on assignment. And as long as I was on God's assignment, I had the power and protection that he promised me while I was on assignment. Yes. I found out real quick, the devil is nothing to be afraid of. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I was in Jamaica, my, one of my first mission trips. And I was in a, in, in, a, in a church in Jamaica, uh, Montego Bay. And I was praying, and, and, and uh, I went with Gary Dolphus, and, and he was, uh, had a group over here that were done after the service. Proph- he was prophesying with people, and I was over here. And I, he said, Kevin, he said, you want to do the healing? I said, sure. Uh, just here to help. So I said, he said, anybody need a healing? He says, line up over here. Anybody want a word of prophecy or whatever, line up over here. So we had two groups going on at the same time. And I, there was, I guess there was about 10, 11 people there. So I went down and said, you all here for healing? Make sure you know, I had the right group. And said, yeah, we're all here for healing. I said, okay, God's going to do a miracle in your life. And you're going to receive a healing. I went and laid hands on each person. Going down the line like this, laying hands, praying, preparing my best prayers. And I got down, and I, it felt like I was laying hands on the back of those chairs. It was like laying hands on a stump. I got done. I said, Lord, I says, hmm, never had this before. I says, uh, what do I do now? And he says, do it again. <laughs> and I says, we're going to do this again. This is the healing line you're gonna get a miracle of healing. God's gonna come upon you, and you're gonna get healed. <laughs> I hit the top of the head of the first woman, and she went, oh, like that. Went under the power. <laughs> we went down, and every person in that line got healed. It's like, first, you got to get there. No, this is not a religious act. This we believed in the power of God coming upon you and healing your body. Every one of them got healed. The second time. (laughs) Are you here? Why? I went there. God had given me an assignment and he put the power with the assignment. The devil didn't call me to Jamaica. I wouldn't have gone anyway. Certainly wouldn't have gone if the devil called me there. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I got three minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get, so I, I want to share this, one. how many know, if I say if I say procrastination, how many know what I'm talking about? I was in prayer the other day and I got this word and, 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 and uh, my wife got the word, at, no, it was, um, the woman's being it right, it was a couple weeks ago, I mentioned the word in the church, how it happened, how it came about, and I says, um, we come against the spirit of procrastination, do you remember that? Does anybody remember that? Okay, uh, but what the, they were lacking, they were lacking the explanation, is it a biblical word? Well, I didn't think nothing of it. I've prayed over that prayer before because a lot of times we just procrastinate on things. And I'm, not, I'm that way a lot of times with some things God tells me to do. So I went, to, so I went and what really fired me up was I went and typed it online and it said this. It said, it said um, procrastination. What does the Bible say about procrastination? Question mark. And the answer came back on Google. The answer came back and says, well, procrastination really isn't a word in the Bible. That fired me. It may not be the word that they were looking for in a particular translation, but it is all through the Bible. So what I did, I sat down and challenged myself in the word procrastination. For once the definition is this. Procrastination is the act and will, willfulness delay of doing something that should be done. That's procrastination. I'll say it again, it's the act of willfully delaying and doing something that should be done. Amen? Procrastination is the idea planted by the enemy, this is my notes, planted by the enemy uh, to cause an inaction without appearing to be totally rejection of God's assignment. In other words, it's a temptation by the enemy, if we cannot stop you from doing something, we'll get you to put it off. Amen? So I was interested. Interesting enough, what I did, I changed translations. <laughs> I went to the Message Bible. It, it, can I was I to read a couple of them. I, I, I'm, I'm running out of time. But let me read this one. John chapter 3, verse 11, Message Bible translation. Jesus is saying this. How many will listen to Jesus? He's saying, listen carefully. I'm speaking sober truth to you. I speak only of what I know by experience, and I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. There is nothing second-handed here, no heresy. Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, you procrastinate with questions." You just keep asking questions. You don't do nothing about it. You just keep asking questions. There's no heresy here. It's the truth. But you keep asking questions. I like that one. That's pretty good. Another one I found in Haggai chapter 2. This one I'm real familiar with because basically Haggai says this. He said, a message from God of the angel of the armies. A message from God. The people procrastinate. They say this isn't the right time to rebuild the temple, the temple of God. This isn't the right time. Oh, we say, well, you know, we're not really in that season yet. How many remember the story? Babylon had captured Israel, and had Israel had captured for 70 years. They were enslaved to, uh, to Babylon. God made a pact with, with a Gentile king of Persia called King Cyrus. He said, if you take out, you'll sack the Babylonians, he said, and set my people free. He said, I'll cause you to win. <laughs> so Cyrus says, I don't like a deal with me. We don't like the Babylonians anyway. So he's a Babylonian. So he's a, he goes in, and he sacks Babylon, and sure enough, he signs the decree. Now, in that time, the Persian Empire, whatever king signed the decree, that decree remained for every single generation. No other king could un- undo that. They never moved off their blessed assurance until Darius was king. Two more kings later. Cyrus said immediately, this is an effect, immediately, let them people go, they go back to Israel, and nobody moved. So this is what, he's, this is what Haggai was getting, this is the message of Haggai was saying, the people procrastinate on building the temple because the whole idea was going back to Israel was to build the temple. You all know what the temple was being built for? That was the temple that the Messiah was supposed to walk through. Who was the Messiah? Jesus. Do you remember he came went, walked to the temple and he made that decree? He said, "Tear this temple down, in three days I'll raise it up again." And they mocked him. That whole temple, that whole building was rebuilt it was Solomon's temple originally was rebuilt just so Jesus could do that. Amen. You understand. God had the whole people build that labor, put the Nehemiah building the wall around the city, protecting that thing, so Jesus could walk through in a moment and say, tear this temple down, in three days I'll build it up again. Hallelujah. There it was. And he said, oh, dear, look at all the work. He was, he, was, he was making a point. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died, he said, we became the temple. Amen. But the people procrastinate on building what do you call the build. And I got more. It goes all through through the scriptures. I mean, you. you <laughs> I, I mean, uh, procrastination in the Bible is considered laziness, in some in some instances. Proverbs chapter fifteen verse nineteen: "This is the way of a lazy man, uh, is a hedge of thorns. But the way of the upright is a highway." Uh, Proverbs thirteen four: uh, "The soul of a lazy man desires as, uh, and has nothing, but the soul of a diligent." Okay, this one's on time. Diligent uh, um, uh, shall be made rich. And how about this one? I mean, this, uh, um, where is it? I'm, I'm looking for it now here. Uh, uh, oh, how about, the, how about Matthew 25 with, with the, with the ten, uh, parable of the ten virgins? Five were foolish. How, what, made, what made the virgins foolish that were five, five foolish ones? They ran out of oil. They, they weren't prepared. Jesus says, you don't know the day or the hour, stay prepared. Okay, in other words, don't procrastinate. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Colossians three, twenty-three and 24, I'll end with this. Colossians 3, says, Whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That word heartily means breath or, or to do it uh, 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 um, enthusiastically, but to do it unto the Lord. Doesn't matter what man says. Doesn't matter. I've had people come in this church over the years in Key West and they've cursed it. They've done everything to it. They, you can't preach the gospel here. Uh, uh, you know, Matter of fact, the building you're sitting in right now, there's been several people said this is an impossibility because what they used to be is we used to be a drug neighborhood. And this was a Circle Hardware store. And we took over that building. And when they did, they Cleaned out all the old there used to be trailers and stuff here. All, all the drug. Matter of fact, we were still under construction. There was a fire started back here because somebody was trying to freebase back in one of the trailers over there. This is where God chose <laughs> His church. <laughs> I had to laugh. I said, I said, this is more God than people recognize. But the, but but the church, you know, nice church buildings downtown, and, and, and they couldn't see it. You know. This is, Oh, this is Stock Island, you know, and all this other stuff. and they would go back and forth, and they'd say, it's impossible. And it, it was, there was there's several people in it, it so impossible. And then we got the daycare built, and then we got that open, and they said, "Well, you you, you might get it built, but nobody will show up." And then we had I had a full time staff of eleven people with eighty kids one time for, with the daycare, and, and and they said, "Well, you you you'll you'll get the kids, but you won't get the teachers." I mean, they kept on on and on and on. See see what happens is God gives the assignment and He makes the way where it doesn't seem to be any way. Let's hook up to God's assignment. Let's put aside the losing a heart and and let's get a hold of God's assignment because He makes the way. People that are playing church will never understand this. When you have principles without presence, you have religion. I'll say it again, when you have principles without presence, God's presence, you have religion. You have, it's, like a, it's like having a kingdom with no king. But now, put that king back on the throne and adhere to his word and what he says, regardless, I don't care. We're not bowing. This is what we're doing. God doesn't have to do one miracle for me. I'll lay hands and I'll keep praying for other miracles. He doesn't have to do one miracle for me. I'll still serve him. He doesn't have to answer one prayer of mine. Not one. I'm not, he's not obligated to me. Not one prayer and I'll still serve them. I will not bow. Let's see end with Hallelujah. Getting out of the Word this morning? I give you a lot of stuff. <laughs> I didn't realize it until I was going through it. I got a lot of stuff here. <laughs> so I kind of skimmed over some of the stuff, but the fact is, is, this morning, two things I see of the Spirit. I, I, I believe the, the message is for the season that we're in. That's why I always believe that. Uh, but the season that we're in right now is let's get our focus off of what we can do, binding yourself to the devil. Uh, not, not, we'll still do those things, but not focus there. Let's get our focus from the victory over the devil to God's assignment, and now let's see the victory over the devil. But let's put God first, first place in our life. Amen? Amen. Uh, but the fact is, uh, the, the devil will tell you all kinds of stuff. It'll, it'll sound good. Well, you know, uh, you worked hard this week. You need to sleep in. God don't ever tell you to sleep in. They say don't lose heart, that's, you're losing heart. When, when there's something else we, ought, we, we wanna do besides giving God worship, when we know we're gonna worship Him personally, then there's something wrong. That's, a, that's an indicator, okay, there's something wrong. So well, what happens, what do I do in that case, amen? Well, nothing, Did nothing. You let your spirit rule, amen. not your body, praise amen. the Lord. Amen. So this is this is what we do, and uh, so go so, on. So praise the Lord. Now, the, the 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 devil, God will never tell you to stay home. Hey, a woman told me one time, well, God told me to stay home and house sit. No, that wasn't God. It was God, maybe little G, but not big G. because He said, "Forsake not the assembling together of yourselves, even so you see the day approaching." And we certainly see the day approaching. Amen. Praise the Lord. Weak leadership allows the enemy to come up to its shore with a show of force. Strong leadership attacks the enemy at his heart and positions for the attack. And that will deter the enemy. The enemy will hit you where your weakest place is. When he does, cover your weakness and go for his, for his juggler. And settle it once and for all. Amen? You have a free will that we know a demonic, demoniac man had a free will, he took that free will and threw it at the feet of Jesus. with was a last ditch effort. Okay, insane, he, they tied him in chains, he broke break the chains, but he threw himself at Jesus and that was the day that made a difference in his life. It wasn't until he yielded to Christ that made a difference. Christ is not gonna yield to you and God is not here for you or me just to uh, take all our pain and suffering away. No, he's here in assignment. And what goes with his assignment, when we walk in his assignment, the power of God follows that assignment, and the anointing of God breaks every demonic stronghold. Father, we thank you that this morning in the name of Jesus. Let us hold that thought that with the assignment comes the power and the miraculous and the strength of God with the assignment. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us not to lose heart in this day and hour we live in, losing heart by looking at all the different things in the world. Now We're getting too impressed with what the devil's doing and not enough with what God is doing. But Lord, I pray, let these be the five wise virgins that pick up the oil and have enough oil, not only enough oil to get through, but enough oil to, 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 to let the light pierce the darkness at the coming of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, we give you the praise and we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.